Hello, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. My name is JD. I'm a Christian marriage coach, and I blog over at sexwithinmarriage.com, where I explore married sexuality from a Christian perspective. And today we're going to be talking about whether sex is a need or a want in marriage. And I've actually written about this in the past, but it was over three years ago, and since then I have a lot of new readers, and now I have new listeners, as this is our third episode of our new podcast. So I thought I'd tackle this subject again, having some new insights and some new ideas on it. As an introduction, you know, uh, many people exhibit kind of side effects of a lack of sex uh, when they're married or low frequency of sex. Um, some of the side effects can be physical. Guys can sometimes get this kind of pain that we call blue balls or uh, it feels like cramping kind of. So there can be psychological and emotional side effects. Uh, some people end up feeling uh, kind of depressed and feeling sad if they don't have sex after a while. And uh, there's also definitely relational side effects as well. Uh, Many people start to feel that they're not loved anymore, they're not cared for, um, that their marriage is rocky all of a sudden, or, you know, that they just start feeling really insecure about their relationship. Uh, usually one spouse experiences these effects more than the other. But the question is always then, does this mean that they need sex more often or they just want sex more often? Usually it's the higher drive spouse who experiences these negative effects of of a lack of sex. Um, usually the lower dry spouse has other things they'd rather be doing. Often, particularly if you have young children, like in our marriage, uh, the lower drive spouse uh, is often the wife, and the conflict generally turns into, well, do we have sleep or do we have sex? So whose need is more important in a situation like this? And like we talked about last week in our second podcast episode, uh, if the lower dry spouse has a veto power in the marriage over sex, then they tend to win by default, regardless of whether it's a need or a want. But if they don't, if sex is a need and sleep is a need, then well, you're stuck. You kind of have a stalemate without any extra evidence or arguments. Uh, if sex is a want and sleep is a want, then again, you're stuck in a stalemate. But if sleep is a want and sex is a need, then sex definitely needs to be an option. But then the other way around, if sleep is a need and sex is just a want, then the high drive spouse tends to be viewed as selfish. And like we said last week, you know, this is often how the low drive spouse feels because they may not see sex as a need. And so they see their spouses obviously flawed or broken or selfish or even abusive for wanting sex above whatever they feel their own needs are. So how do we resolve this conflict? Uh, what do we do with these differing desires? And it's it's a difficult topic. Uh, I'm currently working on a course for men that I just announced to some of my readers this week, the ones who are on my mailing list, uh, saying that I, I'm planning to write a course for men to teach them how to initiate more successfully. Because I think a lot of the time, I know a lot of the time, men struggle with... Um, how to initiate sex and how to show that what they desire is intimacy and uh, not to make it sound like, you know, they're begging or they're imposing on their wife or they feel guilty. Uh, one of the things that came out when I asked uh, husbands, you know, what would you be interested in a course like this? 
about half of the husbands responded with, you know, how to deal with a fear of rejection. Um, because for them being turned down for sex means that their wife is rejecting them, you know, as a person because they, even if they don't realize it, a lot of men, um, sex is sort of how they feel connected. It's how they feel engaged. And that has to do with, uh, how oxytocin works. And we'll go into more of that on, I think in another podcast, probably the next one, but basically men have trouble feeling loved and feeling connected, um, without a lot of oxytocin, um, because we don't natively produce it nearly as much as women do. Uh, but we do get huge doses of it during, during sex. So without that, we tend to feel unloved and uncared for. And so men often without realizing it when they're reaching out and they want sex is what they really want is a connection and intimacy. And so when that gets turned down, um, they subconsciously feel like, oh, well, you're rejecting me. You're telling me you don't want to have a connection with me. You don't want to have intimacy with me. Um, so that's that becomes a rejection of their partner and more of a statement about their marriage and about their relationship than it is about anything else. Um, and the other thing that came out was that even when sex is accepted, often they feel guilty for it. Uh, even if their wife says, you know, no, I, I want to have sex too, and they seem to have a good time, um, they still feel that that they shouldn't want sex. They feel guilty for having asked. They feel like they've been giving it out of pity. They feel like it's something that they need to should fight against more or shouldn't have so much control over them. And so there's this ongoing kind of guilt trip that's associated with sex. So it's kind of like a lose-lose situation. They initiate sex. They say they want to be intimate. And then if the wife says no, then they feel rejected and unloved. And if the wife says yes, well, then they feel that it's out of pity or out of guilt or that their wife is just doing it out of her duty. And so there's no, for a lot of them, there's no upside other than the very short physical pleasure that they get out of it. And it's not just husbands that experience this by any means. There are a lot of high drive wives who go through uh, their own struggles. Uh, it's it's a little bit different in some cases with them because they're fighting against this stereotype about how their husbands are supposed to want sex all the time and they're supposed to be fending them off and all of a sudden they find themselves in this sort of role reversal where they want sex and um, they have this additional struggle of, okay, well, if all husbands want sex and mine doesn't, then this must be a problem with me. I must not be attractive enough or sexy enough, or you must not love me enough. Or there's all these additional struggles that, um, well, they're, they're different and they're unique to women in this position rather than men. Um, but it's a much smaller percentage of the population, which doesn't mean it's less of a problem. It just means I have less information and less data about it. Um, but it definitely does happen. In fact, I wrote a post about it um, because I saw so many women uh, commenting on this and, and complaining that they're in this situation. So I'll link to that post in the show notes uh, for those listeners who are women in that same situation. So getting back to uh, our main topic, how do we resolve this conflict? How do we know 
if sex is a need or a want, or what do we do with that? Well, whenever possible, I like to look back at the Bible for my answers because I believe it's what God gave us to um, teach us not only about who He is, but about who we are and uh, what His intent was for our life. Uh, so we have this passage in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verses 3 to 5. It's one of the few passages that it very clearly defines this kind of relationship about whether it's a need or a want. And in the message translation, uh, which is just nice to get a very simplistic kind of view of the passage, uh, it says, The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and if it's for the purpose of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. And we brought out this passage in the last episode, uh, talking about um, who should have kind of the power over sex. And I concluded that, you know, no one should have veto power. If either spouse wants sex, then I think that sex should happen based on this passage. But more than that, it definitely shows that sex is a need in a marriage. And if it's not being exercised, uh, if you're not having sex, then Satan is going to find a way to use that to pull you guys apart. Uh, because relationships, they, they don't, they never drift together. Uh, relationships only drift apart or you're putting work into it to make it better. And so if you stop having sex or you're not having it frequently, you know, it's going to start to drift and Satan's going to use that and put a wedge in it and push it even further. Really, a lot of times it's not about the physical act of sex. It's about the connection and the intimacy that's involved. But it's also very clear that we can't um, leverage this as like a club to hit our spouse over the head with, that we can't say, hey, look, you owe me sex. This is what God is saying. Uh, you know, it's as a marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. And that's true. It's a place for us to serve. Uh, ideally, both spouses are serving in mutuality, as it says. However, it, sometimes in order to serve someone, you have to be firm with them, allowing them to continue in their sin. And yeah, I think sexual refusal is a sin. Is not helpful for you. It's not helpful for them. It's not helpful for your marriage. So if this is happening in your marriage, then uh, please seek help. Um, go see a counselor, go talk to your pastor or an elder or a trusted friend, uh, hopefully a couple, um, so that they can talk with you and your wife together and it won't seem biased or one-sided. Because we also have this passage in Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 28, uh, again in the message it says, husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not by getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They are really doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. So we see this comparison between husbands and it can go for both spouses, I think, about being uh, servants in your 
in your household of of serving your spouse. And Christ was definitely a very good example of a servant, but he wasn't a pushover. Everything he did was for the intent of bringing his bride, his church, closer to him. And sometimes that meant getting on a cross and dying, or letting people whip him, or being meek. And other times it meant throwing over tables and calling people vipers. And I'm not suggesting you call your spouse a viper by any means. Um, But there is a time to be firm and to stand up and say, no, this is wrong, and this is hurting you, and it's hurting me, and it's hurting us together. And sometimes that needs to be said. And it's hard, and I can't uh, claim that I've said these things myself, although I probably should have earlier in our marriage. In our case, Christina once came to me and said, do you think I'm a refuser? Which is a term that's given in the marriage community for a spouse who refuses sex. And I had to look at her and say, yeah, I think you are because you do. And that was the start of a big change, but it would have been much easier for me to say, no, no, it's not that bad. It's all these reasons, whatever. And just allowed it to go. And that would have made me an enabler and not helped her or me in the long run. That conversation was the beginning of the change in our marriage uh, in regards to sex. So if you're having trouble in this regard, you know, I'm not saying go bash down the door and say, hey, we need to start having more sex. But there is a time to be firm and to stand your ground and say, no, I think what what is happening is wrong. And uh, I can't tell you when that was going to be or how to do it. Uh, You each have your own marriages uh, and you have to figure out your own timing, but there is definitely a time for it. So if you're having problems with this, then, you know, I pray about it and be patient about it and find the right time when your spouse is open and willing to discuss it. If you want some guidance on that or some coaching on that, then you can contact me at anonymousmarriagecoaching.com. I've helped some couples through issues like this and help them figure out how the words to say or when to say it or how to approach it or things like that, depending on different scenarios. But there is no blanket, hey, you know, follow step one, step two, step three, and it'll work for you. Um, every, every marriage is different and every situation is different. But in conclusion, I think that while sex may not be an individual need, like you won't die if you ha- don't have sex. Uh, it's not like food or water or air. I think it's a relational need in marriage. Uh, without sex, um, the relationship seems to get damaged. And we're going to go more into that next week. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, two different cycles. One that exists in a marriage that has a higher frequency of sex and one that has a low or no sex frequency. So you can see how these things play out in in daily life. So like I said, we're going to tackle this a little bit more uh, next week in our fourth episode. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the sex cycles in marriage and what they look like and how they work out. But until then, uh, this week you can check out the blog. Uh, We've got another marriage challenge this week for you. Head over there and see what it is. Also, if you're looking for uh, a community where you can discuss some of these topics about marriage uh, with sex-positive people um, in a safe environment, you can check out our premium member forum. Uh, It's $5 a month and you get access to a private forum where you can ask questions of other like-minded readers and listeners, uh, as well as Christina and I, and get 
different views and opinions on some of these difficult to ask questions. Uh, as well, you get uh, sneak peeks at things like podcast episodes. Um, they tend to get them as soon as I've edited them instead of waiting for Wednesday to come around so I can post them. And also they get first access to uh, any new materials like new courses or new books that we've written, uh, as well as discount, discounts on all of our products as a thank you for supporting us in our ministry. So if that's of interest to you, you can check it out. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, which will be at sexwithinmarriage.com slash SWM003. So thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.